Journey to the Nativity, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. The Feast of Christmas, celebrating the birth of Jesus, is one of the most joyful days of the Orthodox Church. It's also known as the Incarnation of Christ. As Orthodox Christians, this means that we celebrate that Jesus became a man and came into the world to save us. This is the journey to the Nativity. Today we bring you our next Q&A segment in our journey to the Nativity. We have the great honour of being joined by the very Reverend Father Dimitri Kokinos, Parish Priest of St. Ioannis Paramatta. Father Dimitri will be answering a couple of our questions on the role of the Theotokos in the Nativity of our Lord. Father Dimitri, welcome. Thank you very much. Our first question is, what do you understand to be the role of the Theotokos in the Nativity of our Lord? The first thing to say is, I can't help it, we, we live in a multicultural society where there's, uh, many of our Orthodox brothers and sisters are attacked by Protestants um, and they criticize us for why do we put such emphasis on the Theotokos. If one meditates on the Incarnation, that God became man, if one stops to think about this enormous event that the Almighty God, He who created us ex nihilo out of nothingness, becomes a human like us, one cannot but feel awe at the woman that made that possible. So she made it possible for God to become man and therefore 
we honor her. As she said herself, all generations will call me blessed. But in terms of your question, the role of the Theotokos in, in the Nativity, well, what comes to mind is that the Theotokos entered the church when she was three years of age, and there's no doubt that she lived communion with God, communion with the Holy Trinity from her youth. She had her, her prayer was not just a, a routine prayer that one does in the morning and in the evening, but a true encounter with God, a true experience, an experience that transcends transcends logic, transcends reason. It's, it's at another level. The sort of prayer that many of our church fathers talk about, such as St. Gregory Palamas, St. Simeon the New Theologian, some of our modern saints like St. Paisio, St. Porphyrios, when they talk about prayer, this is not rhetoric. This is a living experience. And I've no doubt that Panagia um, experienced this sort of prayer, this sort of communion with the true God. She was so affected by this that when she was sent to Nazareth after her teenage years, even though Nazareth was a terrible city with a lot of immorality and terrible things happening, and the teenagers, her peers at the time, would have led very immoral lives. She wasn't affected by this because she had true, a true holy experience of prayer. So she was preparing for something. She didn't know this. She didn't know she would be very, very famous. It didn't, indeed, she wouldn't know that all generations will call me blessed. She simply did her duty. She, um, her prayer life, she was humble. She was very, very holy. She, she, she wasn't free of original sin, but she never sinned. She never let any of the passions overpower her. And therefore, God chose her to become the mother of God. She was the, the means by which the Almighty God, the, the, the means that the Almighty God used to be incarnate and become human. Now, of course, Here's your question again, just remind me, what was the role of... The role of the Theotokos in the nativity. Well, to, to a degree, she did have to consent. Uh, the angel, uh, we celebrate this, as you know, on the Feast of the Annunciation on 25th of March, the, the angel came and announced to her what would happen, and she did have to give her consent. And, and, and this famous word, Idu, Idu Likiriu, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be according to your will. She had to agree to this and really surrender to the will of God. If sometimes, I, I don't know if we should overdo this, but if you want to be a little bit practical about it and just meditate on what she was consenting to, it's, it's probably a little bit useful to think about the time she was returning after having spent three months. As you know, the Gospel tells us she spent three months with her cousin Elizabeth. She went there pregnant and she spent three months with her. And since she re returns to her fiancé, Joseph, if we sit back and meditate on, even if we just think about her return to her fiancé, she is returning to her fiancé, and, and sorry to be a bit vulgar about this, but she's returning looking pregnant. And if we take this in the historical context, in those days, falling pregnant out of wedlock was punishable by death. They would stone them to death. 
it would have been very, very scary her returning to her fiancé looking pregnant. Of course, her fiancé knew that it wasn't through him that she, she fell pregnant. And there was only one logical assumption he could have made. So only one, humanly speaking, only one logical assumption she could have made. So it must have been, it must have taken a lot of courage. But she, this was God's will, and she simply surrendered to this. She really said to the Lord, this is difficult, this is going to be very scary, but this is what you want. Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me what you will. So she consented to this. She gave her consent bravely, courageously, but she had learned through years of, of her prayer life, of her communion with God, to trust God in everything, totally, even in a situation that's completely beyond reason. So I guess, I mean, I'm not a theologian, but the way I sort of meditate on, on these matters, this is, this is how I see these things. And one cannot but be in admiration of her, her humility, her, her prayer life, and her, her courage, and her surrender to the will of God. Thank you. Thank you very much, Father Dimitri, for that great insight. Our next question is, you touched on it uh, towards the end, as to what can we learn about Baniya? What can we apply in our lives from her example in the Nativity of our Lord? I, I, I read something from the Desert Fathers recently that really resonated with me. It was from St. Joseph of Thebes. And it, did, it just did something to me. He talks about three, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but talks about three parts that are very pleasing to God. One is that if one is suffering or has some sort of illness, to not only not whinge, not only not complain, but actually thank God for the hardships of life. Another road that's very pleasing to God is the road of obedience, um, of renunciation of the will and obedience to one's spiritual father or one's abbot if one is a monk or a, or a nun. And of course, we all have this calling to be patient in suffering. Suffering is part of our lives. We all have to be obedient. But the third road that is pleasing to God is simply doing the will of God without wanting to please men. This surrender to the will of God of simply, if I could use my own term, just doing our duty as Christians. And that's what Panagia did. This was her calling, and she surrendered to the will of God. And we all have different callings. We all have different situations. We're not all the same. We're not all called to be priests or monks or nuns. or, or not all are called to be married. Some, sometimes I speak to people who have reached a certain age, and they haven't married yet, and they're very, they're very disheartened. Or sometimes you meet people who are married, they don't have children, and they yearn for children. You, you meet people in different situations, but it, it's beautiful if we can learn that we find our calling, which is not the same for every person. Some people long to have a certain occupation, to be a, a, a doctor or a lawyer or a, or a scientist, but they just, just life doesn't, doesn't lead them to that path, and they might feel very disheartened. But the thing is, to find our calling and to be at peace with it, and to surrender to God's will. The answer isn't to have things our way, to have things the way we expect, but to simply find God's calling and do it humbly and diligently and with all our heart prayerfully. 
how can we learn from Panagia? Um, as she said herself, she talked about her own humility. God has looked upon the humility of his maidservant. Um, whatever we do in life, we have to be humble. Um, that is the key. The key to, that opens the, 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 the road to the kingdom is humility. Not, being, not feeling entitled, not feeling that we're better than others, not always emphasizing my needs, but having this willingness to serve, serve our fellow man and, and serve the Lord. Um, what, what can she teach us? She teaches us from her purity, from the fact that she didn't give in to the temptations around her, her humility and her utter surrender to the will of God. She did her duty. She, she received God's calling and simply followed it. And there's just, that is the answer to life. That is the answer to our calling in life. Only one thing matters in the end, and that is to get to the kingdom. The specifics of, of the details of our life are very secondary. What matters is for us to be humble, to have love, to have patience, to be obedient, and to surrender ultimately to the will of God, to acknowledge that I do not know what's best for me. The greatest prayer is, Your will be done. As we say in the Our Father. Hopefully that answers your question. Thank you, Father Dimitri, and thank you for giving us the opportunity to interview you and for your very thought-provoking and deep responses. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will gain a lot from what you had to say about the role of the Theotokos in the Nativity. So we thank you very much. God bless you, Lord. We hope that you've enjoyed this edition of Journey to the Nativity. For more spiritually edifying Orthodox talks and podcasts, be sure to head to orthodoxjourney.com.